welcome to the podcast edition of Coaching Through Chaos, bringing you what you need to succeed. Here is your host, Dr. Colleen Mullen. Hi there, and thanks for joining me. I'm your host, Dr. Colleen Mullen, licensed marriage and family therapist. I bring you weekly interviews with guest experts designed to inspire, motivate, and empower you. This week's guest marks a slightly different twist on who I normally feature. In doing this show, I'm getting a lot of outreach from people who have inspiring stories in life. They've overcome obstacles in their lives and have redesigned their existence or are in the process of doing so, and they want to share their story with you. Today's guest will be a first in a recurring series of these admirable stories. You might actually know him because in addition to the personal journey he's going to share with us, he also happens to be the host of the podcast rated number one by iTunes in 2014. I so want to tell you who he is, but I want to share a quick story with you first. Do you know the Cherokee parable about the two wolves? A grandfather told his grandson, there is a battle between two wolves inside us all. One is evil. It is anger, jealousy, greed, and resentment. The other is good. It is joy, love, hope, humility, kindness, empathy, and bravery. The boy thought about it and asked, Grandfather, which wolf wins? The grandfather replied, the one you feed. My guest today is Eric Zimmer. He's the host of the very popular podcast built on interviewing guests with questions centered around the parable of the two wolves. The One You Feed podcast is a top show, and I personally enjoy listening to it, but I'm not interviewing Eric because he's a popular show host. No, I'm interviewing Eric Zimmer because he has a life story of resiliency. He's overcome emotional obstacles and even beat addiction. The changes he's made have led him to a prosperous life. He had the foresight to take a risk to educate himself in early technologies when he was just about to become a father. He built a successful solar company, and now he's a top-ranked podcast host. And through the podcast, he helps so many other people that may be searching for a different path in their life. Eric will share with us his path to recovery from drugs and alcohol, how the parable of the two wolves led to the One You Feed podcast, how he handles self-doubt when it creeps up on him, and how he takes care of himself. Here we go. Please welcome Eric Zimmer. I'm here with Eric Zimmer, host of the very popular The One You Feed podcast that you can find on iTunes and all sorts of other podcast listings. And he's here to talk with me a bit about his life journey. I want to thank you, Eric, for being with me on the Coaching Through Chaos podcast. Thank you for having me on. It's my pleasure. So Eric, so you've got a story of overcoming obstacles that ranged from drug addiction to becoming a successful entrepreneur. So we're going to get right into the questions. Okay, great. So Eric, it's my understanding that at the age of 24, you were living in a van, addicted to drugs and alcohol, in trouble with the law, malnourished, on a definite path of self-destruction. You now have found a level of success that most people only hope to achieve. What do you think was feeding that need in you for self-destruction? Boy, that's a great question. 
you know, one of the things that I found in my process of recovering from alcohol and drugs, and I think a lot of people who recover also have a similar one, which is that the why is not as important as the actions that we take in our lives. So I've got theories, but they're not necessarily important to the actions that I took that helped me to get better. But I think for me, for whatever reason, I think I have some sort of genetic predisposition. I know that I wrestle with depression. Mm -hmm. And so I think that alcohol and drugs, at least in the beginning for me, were a way that allowed me to feel connected to the world and alive. I think that was what made them so initially wonderful. And then I think as my life spiraled out of control, they started doing the opposite. I started using them for the opposite, which was to escape from life. So I think it started as a very, uh, very much a, hey, I, this makes me come alive. This makes me feel alive. And I just took that too far until it turned into that vicious cycle of, I feel bad about how I'm acting because I'm doing these things. So I'm going to take drugs to hide that. And then when I come out of it, I feel worse because I've done it yet again. And I've done something awful yet again to someone or something. And then the cycle just follows. Right. Just getting caught in it. Can you tell us some of the things that you did, though, to get and stay sober? Because you've been sober now over 20 years, I think. What worked for you? Well, I actually was sober about nine years. Then I drank again for a couple years. And then I've been sober again for eight years. So I had a couple years in there where I went back out, not to the same level of destructiveness as before, although that's mostly just a consequence thing, not so much a, a behavior thing. I mean, the big one for me was that I committed to that that had to happen, that I needed to get sober, and I made it the number one priority in my life for a period of time. And I did mine through 12-step programs. So that's what worked for me. I think there's good and bad in 12-step programs. There's things that I don't love about it, but you know, it saved my life certainly two separate times. So that for me has been the main mechanism. But then... I think that the willingness to keep growing is a big part of that. I think that I was sort of forced into, call it what you want, personal development or you know, self-help or whatever you want to call it. I, I was kind of forced into that by the fact that I was going to die otherwise. But I think that an interest in that and a desire to keep growing certainly is important for long-term contented sobriety. Yeah, I was going to check and see what keeps you sober, so continuing to grow and learn. So now we're going to move out of the destructive part of your life and into some of the more productive part of your life. Some people that are listening will wonder about how you took the steps to become the entrepreneur that you are. Can you tell us about your professional journey to owning your own solar company, your passion for software development, and the entry into podcasting, which has seemed to turn out very well for you? Can you talk a bit about that journey? I sort of stumbled into entrepreneurship. I guess when I was 16, 17, and 18, I founded a nonprofit organization to tutor inner city kids. And I think that was my first experience with what it's like to build something. That's pretty ambitious. <laughs> it was. And then I promptly tore it all down around me for about seven years. So I think I got a taste of it then. And when I got sober, by the time I got out of treatment and all that, I was 25 years old. I had no skills at all. I had a high school diploma no skills except cooking in a restaurant and doing drugs. And I decided I needed to get out of the restaurant business. It was too much partying in it. There was for me. And 
it just wasn't what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. So I stumbled into a customer service job with a software company called CompuServe. They were one of the very first online providers, you know, the first ways you could get on the internet. Yeah, I remember them. And I just found an opportunity there. I just saw a path that I had never seen before. And so I just started working really, really hard. And um, I got laid off from there when my wife at the time was about four months pregnant with my son. I got laid off and I remember I took the severance money and I spent a lot of it on getting some computer training, which at the time seemed like, is that really a good idea or not? But that allowed me to take the next step. I became a trainer of network systems and I finally joined a very small organization that was a group of consultants. We just did network engineering type work. It was about a four person company. And the owner of that merged with another company that did digital storage stuff like selling floppy disks and I mean, things like that. And we launched a dot-com company back in the, the original dot-com. And so I think I just got exposed to and experienced things there that were way beyond my experience level. But I just learned a ton. I mean, we, we raised about $150 million in venture capital money. And I was going from, you know, a couple years earlier, I had been living in the back of a van and now I was in Silicon Valley. I just fell in love with it. And so when that kind of went in its direction, then that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to stay in startup companies. And so I joined software company, very early stage software companies for the next 10 to 12 years. So I was an entrepreneur, but I mean, I did not necessarily start those companies, but I might be the third or fourth person there. And then I started the solar energy company on a whim. We did that for about five years. And while I was doing that, I started getting hired to do some e-commerce consulting work for some pretty large companies. And so made my way into that and found that I really liked doing that also. So the solar energy company is no longer active. We spun it off a couple years ago. And now I'm focused primarily on the e-commerce consulting work as well as the podcast. How did you get into that? How did you decide to get into the podcast? About the same way that I got into having a solar energy company, which is that I start to get interested in something and then usually take it way too far. Hence the, you know, drug addiction. Yeah, <laughs> right. So that's a trait that didn't leave you, but you spun it into yeah. something positive. It's a little bit there. Yeah, it's yeah. certainly, <laughs> you know, I certainly tend to get very interested in something. And right. so the podcast, I originally, as the solar company, I was realizing that it wasn't what I wanted to continue doing in the form it was in. I started thinking about developing an online course for developing solar energy projects. I would create an online course to do that. I thought, well, that'd be something I could just get it done. And so that got me interested in online marketing. Everywhere I had been in my career up till then had been in a company and you needed more people and you needed to go raise a lot of money. And particularly in the solar energy business, the capital needs are huge. You know, I'm constantly trying to find five, 10, 15, 20 million dollars to finance the next project. And so when I started thinking about being online, I suddenly went, wait, I could have a career. I could do something where it's just me or one other person and I don't have to go raise any money. Mm -hmm. The idea, it just sounded really intriguing. And I eventually decided I didn't want to do that with the solar energy thing. But at that point, I had been exposed to podcasts. And the idea just came to me one day. Like, I could do a podcast about, I mean, it kind of came fully formed. Like I could do a podcast about this thing called the, the One You Feed parable. And it could be an interview show. And it seems like it would be a lot of fun. And I called my friend, Chris, who's the engineer on the show, uh -huh. my partner in the show. And I said, hey, I've got this idea. Do you want to do it? And he said, yeah. And we kind of started the next day. Wow. And let me ask you, I'm sure everybody does. 
when did you first hear the parable of the one you feed and what did it mean to you? I first heard it in a 12-step recovery setting. You can see as a, as a recovering addict, the parable is particularly strong because your bad wolf is, you know, it's like the bad wolf on steroids, right? Right. And so I heard it, who knows how many years ago in a recovery setting. And I think the thing I love about the parable, because it conveys so much information in one fell swoop, you hear it and you're like, it's very obvious, right? I have a choice in what I do with my life. You know, I have, I have a choice in all these things. So that's what I liked about it. But I thought it would be an interesting jumping off point for interviews with a lot of different people. And honestly, I started the show without a lot of real planning. What I thought was this would be a good way to help me feed my own good wolf. If I am talking to people about this stuff all the time, that will keep it kind of front and center in my brain. It'd be good for Chris and me. Yes. And the other one was like, I get to spend a lot more time with my best friend, which I don't do a lot of mm-hmm. as an adult. So it's done both those things. The fact that it's gone on to be very successful on top of that has certainly been a nice bonus. Well, I love that. And it gives me a little hope too, because that's sort of how mine came about as well. And just wanting to keep educating myself. And I thought, well, I'll do this podcast and it will keep me on my toes. It'll keep me learning what's out there. And I'll be bringing something to people that hopefully will be useful. Well, and I think that's the important thing. There's a lot of people flooding into the podcast space because they think it's the path to riches. And a lot of the podcast programs out there are sold that way. And I don't think I ever saw it that way. And I still don't. Mm -hmm. You know, my experience has been anything that you're going to try and build is usually going to take a long time. And there's going to be a lot of ups and downs. And the thing that if you can fall back on when everything else is said and done, I like doing this. I think it's interesting. I care about it. Mm -hmm. That's really important to give you that energy to keep going when the outside world is not rewarding you in any way. Absolutely. I think that's an important trait for people to hold on to through many things in life that they need to get through. If you're enjoying it, it doesn't really matter what other people are saying or doing to encourage you. If you know you're doing a good thing and it feels good to you, you should just keep doing it. You're listening to Coaching Through Chaos, your host, Dr. Colleen Mullen, bringing you what you need to succeed. So here's a question that would be born out of your podcasting journey. I know through the work that I do every day that we learn so much about ourselves by learning other people's stories. What are two life lessons that you've adopted that you've learned through your guest interviews on the show? Boy, that is a great question. I think one of the big things I've learned through the show, a lot of this stuff you know on one level. But it's a big difference between knowing something intellectually and actually doing it. Yes. And I think one of the big ones that I've gotten over and over on the show is how important connection to other people is. How we truly are as humans wired to need that connection with other people. And we've had guests on who've shared a lot of the science about how our health outcomes are so tied to this. We really are social creatures. And so I think that's been a good one for me to keep remembering or, and thinking about because I, I tend to be independently driven and I tend to be like, I'll just go do it and I can do it by myself and I'll solve it myself. 
And so one of the things has made me more conscious of making sure I'm fostering good relationships and connections in my life. Wonderful. And I think the other one is, I ask this question on the show a lot because it's a gray area and finding that balance is so important. Where is the right balance with emotions between expressing and feeling your emotions on one end and repressing them on the other end? Like when to know which to do? People tend to go to extremes, and I certainly have, which is one end of it is that my emotions rule everything. If I'm in a bad mood, I lay on the couch and eat ice cream, or I crawl in the back of a van and shoot heroin for three years, right? (laughs) So my emotions are whatever I feel, I act out. I completely live. And then the other is the complete repression of that, which is like, I don't really feel anything or trying to avoid it. And somewhere in between there is the right balance of acknowledging what we feel, feeling it, and still then taking the actions that are important that we've decided we need to do in our lives. And so I think learning to find that middle ground for me, the show has made me more conscious of that so that I'm not going to either extreme as much. And I think that's really helpful in being productive and being able to keep at a high level of productivity and happiness over a long period of time. Well, those are two very good things that you've taken away, connection with others and knowing how to balance your emotions. Wonderful. You know, when people see someone who's been successful in life, you've had successful business ventures, you've got a successful podcast, but we know that just because life is good doesn't always mean that we feel that way. So on days when self-doubt creeps up on you, how do you switch it up so that it doesn't take over? Well, I think that you're making a very important point there. Before I answer the question, I think so many of us in our culture functions completely on this idea of that when I get X, then I will be happy. You know, if my business was successful, I'd be happy. If my podcast got 5,000 listens per episode, I'd be happy. (laughs) You know, whatever those things are, when I'm married, I'll be happy. And my experience has been that that is just a completely false way of looking at the world because there's two things there. One is that no matter where you are, you can always look, you know, I could look at my podcast and go, God, it's been so successful. Look at all these things. And I can look at someone like Mark Marin and go, I'm not even in the neighborhood, right? And, and so you can always look up. Right. There's always better and there's always worse. That's right. And that comparing mindset is a big part of, I think, what leads to unhappiness. Yes. Because I think what happens is so many times in my life I've been like, if I got X, then I get X, and I don't feel fundamentally different. And so I go, oh, it must be Y. And then I get Y, and I don't feel fundamentally different. And the problem is the mindset. There's never contentment. And so despite being what a lot of people might consider successful, I can certainly fall into I'm not successful. I need more, I need more, I need more. And so that's a mindset thing that I have to really watch out for. And I think that even though I have been certainly by many definitions pretty successful in some things, I still wrestle with depression and I still, you know, I still have the same emotional things. So I just have had to really learn how to take care of myself. That's sort of a cliched thing to say, but it is, it's been so true for me that things like eating well and exercising, that reaching out and having relationships with other people, those things are so important mm-hmm. in you know, being in a place of mental good health and emotional good health. I just think that idea that we're going to arrive somewhere and then when we arrive- And get the prize. Yeah, and, and then life will be easy. Mm-hmm. It's just not true. You just upgrade your problems, essentially. 
you know, the more successful you are, there's still things that come up. There's still life to be dealt with. And so I've just been trying to learn more and more about being being able to enjoy and accept and be present for what is in my life right now. And that's another paradox on the show that comes up that I ask people a lot, which is how do you balance being ambitious and striving and wanting to be a better person? How do you balance that with being happy with where you are in your life right now? How do you do both those things simultaneously? And that's a lot of what I've been trying to learn. Well, and that could be a lot to manage on certain days. Mm -hmm. And my next question kind of deals with some of this. How do you reconcile the life experience that you left behind with the one that you're living now? You've had two or maybe more very different lifestyles that you lived out. Do you wake up some days and go, how did I get here? I have those moments occasionally. I have those moments. They're not as frequent now because it's been longer, but certainly like I was you know, joking earlier, I went from being you know, homeless in the back of a van to being in investors meetings in Silicon Valley with some of the largest investors going, how, what is happening? This doesn't make any sense. I think though that we all have like a personal narrative in our head that see, you know, this idea of self that ties us together. And so I don't know that I think of them as two different lives. I was still sort of there. And a lot of the thoughts that I had and the feelings that I had and the things that I cared about are the same now as, as they were then. I've just got a lot better at dealing with and coping with those. And my skills for managing life are so much better than they were then. I mean, I just, I didn't have any. I did not know how to cope with the world at all. And I've learned that over a number of years. So I think that I'm very grateful to be where I'm at. And I try and remember that, like, here's where I once was. You could look at everything as being gravy at this point, because I was nearly dead. And, and by a lot of accounts, probably should have been. So. Um, I'm not sure if I answered your question. You did. And I think it's actually good for people to hear that who you were inherently at heart is the same person. I was hoping you'd tie it together instead of the two lives. And you did that. Again, this is about the perception that others may have yep. of someone who left behind how they lived didn't mean that they left behind who they were. Right. And you just tied it all together. So now I'm going to ask you a question about what you hope to bring to your listeners through the one you feed. And I think you touched on it before, but I'd like to hear that. I think I hope to bring to the listeners whatever they need to get from it. It's kind of a cop-out answer. But I think that the main thing is that I want people to realize that they're not alone. And, you know, I like for people to realize everybody's wrestling with this kind of stuff. The moment for me of when I got into recovery and I realized, I remember the first time I read any recovery related, I was reading the Narcotics Anonymous book and I just remember reading it and sobbing because I had never heard anybody say the things that were going on in my mind. I just had no words for what was happening to me as an addict at all. And when I found words for it and I heard other people and then I could go into meetings and hear other people be like, me too, me too. The power of that was so, so much. And that's part of what I hope to give to listeners is that sense you're not alone. Everybody wrestles with this stuff. And maybe here's some strategies and thoughts to do it. And I think the other thing that I try and do on the show a lot is to disabuse the idea of easy answers, of belief that it's just the next book you read or the next thing that you do, like that there's this thing that's going to sudden, it's back to that idea of if I just get X, Life doesn't work that way. Life doesn't transform. I don't think life is so much about huge epiphanies 
as it is about small incremental changes. We have epiphanies, we have insights, but if they're not followed up by consistent action, they don't mean anything. And so trying to, particularly in the self-help space, there's, and there's no better word for it, in a space that is so full of silver bullets and magic cures and one simple trick, I'm just trying to share life being a human can be challenging. We all go through it, but there are ways to do it with more dignity and grace than other ways. Very nicely put. Now, we were just talking about knowing when enough is enough a few minutes ago, but I am going to ask this anyway. Is there anything coming up for you in addition to the one you feed, or are you content with staying there for now? I mean, right now I'm content with the one you feed. What I've been looking at is how does it become more than just a show? It's been overwhelming to me, the response we've gotten and the emails that I get from people and just people saying things like, you know, changed my life. I think just because lots of people have changed my life and it's just a passing it through kind of thing. So I'm just exploring ways to hear what people are going through. I hear what listeners are going through. What else can we do? You know, I do some one-on-one coaching work with people. That's been very satisfying. We've had a one you feed get together here in town where people got together and it was a really great event, like lots of like-minded people. That's very cool. Yeah. So I'm looking for where can we use this to make people's lives better, even beyond the 30 minutes a week that they get to listen to the show. Very good. I'm going to ask a question about how you tend to yourself. You are definitely a helper by nature. You can tell that to the environment through the solar company you started, to your audience through the people that you connect them to, sharing your personal story as you are here with me. And you also, as you just mentioned, offer personal coaching. But when or how do you find time to stay mindful to helping or tending to your own needs? You know, you're doing a lot for a lot of people. How do you tend to yourself? Yeah, that can be a challenge. Luckily, a lot of what I do right now feels like it does genuinely feed me. It's work that is really helpful to me. And you were asking about bridging the past life and the future life. And I I thought of something that I Mm -hmm. meant to say then, which was that when I'm able to take experiences in my life that have been really difficult and really painful and use them to be useful for somebody else, that's like closing the circle in some way. And it it suddenly gets me out of regretting anything in the past because I'm able to use all parts of it. So that said, the things that I have to do to take care of myself is, you know, I try and be very fanatical about I meditate every day. I have to exercise very regularly. It's not even about looking good or anything at this point. It's just my mental health medicine. I need to do that. And then I've, I've just learned over the years that when I'm having a hard time, there's a few different people in my life who I just call up and go, I'm having a hard time. And I don't necessarily expect a solution. I had to learn this because I used to think they're not going to tell me anything I don't know. Why would I call Bob? Bob, you know, Bob's just going to tell me stuff that I already know. And what I realized, it took me a while and I still wrestle with, I just kind of, but I've gotten better at discipline, which is realizing it's not about Bob having an idea I haven't thought of. It's about that connection to another person and being able to share that with another person. And that lessens the load, even if they don't have anything to say. So I just really try and keep doing that. I just, when I recognize myself in a tough spot, I I try and reach out to people. And I think the show has done what I wanted it to do, which was to help feed my own good wolf. It keeps these things front of mind. And to a certain extent, I find myself doing things that are good for me because I don't want to be a hypocrite. I don't want to be saying, oh, you should do these things and then not doing them. It gives me another, you know, it gives me another level of accountability. So it's actually gotten easier, I think, to take care of myself since I started doing the show. 
Well, I have to say, I relate to so much of what you're saying. So I want to thank you for everything that you've uh, shared with us today. And before we go, can you tell us where everyone can find the podcast? What is the site where you want them to go? Sure. It is oneyoufeed.net. All right. So oneyoufeed.net. If everybody hasn't checked it out, they really need to. So thank you so much, Eric, for being on the show. Thanks so much for having me on. It was a real pleasure. You're listening to Coaching Through Chaos, your host, Dr. Colleen Muller, bringing you what you need to succeed. Eric Zimmer is a guy who's gone through a lot in life, learned from it, and has a lot to offer others. His generous spirit shines through in what he does. His kindness towards me in the podcast world reminded me that I'm not flying out here anonymously. It was a reminder for me to stick to what I'm doing. You never know who's listening. Thanks, Eric, for reaching out. I very much enjoyed our conversation. And I want to thank you, the listener, for joining me today. We've been working hard here to consistently introduce you to people doing great things, overcoming obstacles, providing services, and inventing products that can enhance your life. I'm so excited about our upcoming shows. Next week's interview is with the founder of Vets360.org. They're changing the perception of our veterans with post-traumatic stress and working to end the stigma that label brings. Please check out the podcast season one page for a link to our other upcoming guests. I feel so privileged to be the one sharing these stories with you. As we wrap up this episode of the Coaching Through Chaos podcast, I want to thank Dr. B for all my audio engineering and BennettSullivanMusic.com for my theme music. Now, I love hearing from you between episodes, so you can catch me on Facebook at Coaching Through Chaos and on Twitter with the handle at Dr. Colleen Mullen. Of course, if you really want to stay close, you can sign up for my mailing list where you'll get updates on the podcast, where you can find my guest blog post or guest appearances on other podcasts, and general information on my private practice. Remember that when you sign up for my mailing list, you'll get a free copy of my ebook, Five Ways. It's 100 Tips for Living a Happier, Healthier Life. And that's my thank you gift to you. Alrighty then, that's it for me. I hope you have a wonderful week. And if you've got chaos in your life, I hope you're finding your way through it. Take care.